2: And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop And when I
1: got the chance to go, I said I would stay going. so,
2: it opened up We're only the small little fish out there, so we are And we're trying hard to make it through But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish Because I love this county so much, you know and It's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Warford today Because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken
1: We're
2: into the third minute of stoppage time and the referee, it's all over. And
1: Kilkenny are the All-Ireland Hurling Champions for 2006. The Rebel treble has been foiled by a magnificent Kilkenny performance. So there you go, uh, Brian. The Rebel treble has been foiled, according to Jerk Hanning. And, like, I mean, this was a shock at the time. It sounds kind of weird to say that Kilkenny were going into that All-Ireland final as the underdogs. And then when you hear, like, Michael Dignan at the end saying,
2: you know, a lot of people in Kilkenny giving out about Cody, that he shouldn't have been over the team anymore. Like, it's amazing. But I suppose, like, they'd lost a couple and usually managers don't get that uh, long in the hot seat in Kilkenny. Obviously, Brian Cody has completely changed that. But but prior to that, they hadn't. So, yeah, look, Cork were just on a different planet from everyone else. for a couple of years. Now, they had struggled on their way to the final, like Limerick had run them to a point and Waterford run them to a point, but still they seemed that they were, you know, they just seemed to have, to be able to win those tight games and just be able to, um, you know, Kind of run teams ragged at at key times, and they did that in the first twenty minutes. You know, they got some delightful scores, and and the one that really strikes me is when Dean recycled the ball to Jerry O'Connor coming through the centre, and you know, there's no one um, tracking Jerry at all, and he slots over a pint from about fifty yards, and that just I thought epitomised the running game from Cork. I thought it was absolutely excellent. You know, yeah, no, like I mean,
1: they they, did, they played well, I suppose in in flashes, but you're right, Cork were unbeaten in 14 championship matches on the way into that but they had only beaten Limerick and Waterford slightly. Kilkenny had been winning everything that year they'd won the Walsh Cup they'd won the league and they'd won all their championship games so it was a real a real test for kind of their their young team and they got over that and it was the birth of the probably the greatest Kilkenny team of all time. Yeah and I suppose like Cork had beaten Kilkenny
2: comfortably two years previous, you know, and bear in mind that JJ Watson, who was excellent and we raved about him here um, yeah, a couple weeks he was ago, out. he was out, you know, with a uh, knee ligament um, trouble. And, you know, Jackie Turtle was only kind of breaking on the scene at the time. Same with Taggy Fogarty. So they, they were two kind of, you know, well, Taggy was, was, was struggling to hold down a position probably more than breaking on the scene. But, yeah. um, you know, Jackie, something similar. And, you know, it just looked like Cork had you know all the momentum, all the experience um kind of go in their favour and just obviously had that running game which had blitzed Kilkenny um two years previous and they the should have had way too much, but just Kilkenny were utterly defiant that day. You know, the the they they could have won by by a hell of a lot more um if it wasn't for Ben O'Connor up front from Cork who, who literally kept him in the game in terms of scoring terms. Um you know Kilkenny could have been out of sight.
1: And yeah, poor whites actually. Okay. Oh no, they did, they did. We'll get it we'll get into them in part two. But the rivalry had gotten like fairly intense at that stage, and Sean O'Gahalpine has since described it like the USA and the USSR back in the day, <laughs> trying to get the first first person on the moon. And Don Logan, his autobiography, he said, We've grown up with the rivalry with these fellas and their black and amber colours and their tradition, which they hold up against ours every now and then to measure their worth. Wow, what an absolute stinger. Um, And then he goes on to say, we've grown up and grown apart from them. Now we are the troublemakers, the unforgiving, the outlaws. They are the men you'd want your daughters to marry. So, like, I mean, <laughs> you know, if this is what was going on in their heads, because there was no holding back in the game. Like, I mean, Tennyson and McCarthy went at it early, like these kind of laying down the markers with the shoulders. Uh, John Gardner, the dirty pull against across Owen Larkin's foot, wasn't it? Wasn't even a free, funnily enough. Um, the rock and comer for jellos. that was off camera. We don't know what went on there but to get yellows it must have been something decent. And Noel Hickey had a fairly dirty pull on Brian Corker and going for a puck out and Pat Mulcahy chopped down on Comerford um, at one stage. So like, I mean, you could even see without knowing the history between the two teams, you could see that there was an edge to it.
2: You could and and, and Ronan Curran was right in the mix there as well. He was, was getting fairly hot and heavy as well um, on occasions. But look, I suppose a bit of background, apart from Cork being so utterly dominant and, you know, um their whole kind of persona out there that they were the ultra professional team. It also stems back to a little trip um to Boston with Leinster and I was actually on that in two thousand and five, late two thousand and five, and the Cork players that were there, maybe there was about eight of them on on in or around six or eight of them on the on the panel. And they didn't mix. Whatsoever, they just stuck to themselves, and you know both teams. It was Leinster against Munster. It was an absolute cracking game in CANTON actually. Munster just pipped us um, late on, and um, uh, both teams mixed really well. You know, with some we we landed out and we had pints together and a few beers. And same after the match, it was great old crack. But the Cork guys just stuck to themselves, and that left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. So, you know, so outside brilliant. of Cork.
1: So, sorry Brian like would they be in the same pub as you in a group of their own or would they just not
2: come to the pub they no wouldn't they wouldn't even, even go over. no and they didn't mix at all so like it was really it did leave a sour taste in a, in a lot of wrestling players and I know cock players didn't care you know and they've yeah. gone in public saying that they didn't care they were they were, as far as they were concerned they were after dollar Iron twice they were going for three in a row they were on top of the mountain and they did not care about anyone else and look they're entitled to that prerogative but you know it did annoy a lot of other people and it particularly obviously annoyed the likes of who maybe had a couple of All-Irelands in their back pockets, probably more than anyone else, and they used that as motivation. So you could see why there is that little bit of, um, you know, animosity there among players, you know, and, right. and particularly towards a lot of those Cork players at the time. And look, as far as they are concerned, as I said, they were they were doing what they thought was right, and they were more than entitled to it. But it didn't sit well with people, and um, you know. Then obviously the whole backstory of where Cork and Kilkenny Kenny three in a row and now Kenny had their opportunity to stop them doing three in a row. So like there was all those kind of little backstories that were coming into it and that fed into this final which, you know, a lot of tension was, you know, it was quite palpable on the field. And as you said, you've, you've mentioned a good few incidents there where, where it came to the fore.
1: Yeah, geez, that's interesting Vic, that you have a uh, like hand you know, experience of that because all the talk was like these all star trips that didn't mix or whatever. Like I'm just, I just find that bizarre to think that, you know, you wouldn't like who wouldn't want to go out for a few pints? They obviously just went the seven of them themselves for a few pints. or they yeah, were trained, or, tra- yeah. or they were trying. See, to look I tell you them. now, I tell you what? a story. <laughs> it's a good one. We land, uh, Munster
2: flew from Shannon, <clears throat> and we flew from Dublin even though <laughs> our Dublin flight had to stop in in Shannon for an hour or two and we got a few pints in Shannon while we were <laughs> waiting to get on the new flight. But Munster had flown on previously maybe about four hours ahead of us. So they had landed in Goths Hotel and we landed in and we met a few of the, few of the players from Munster and they're like, you won't believe it. We're like, what? Like, uh, um, Donalogue is up in the gym and he's with, he's, he's personally with the strength and conditioning coach from Cork and they're practicing skipping. It, they're going <laughs> crazy. It's not, I think the boys had gone up to check and see where the pool was or a jacuzzi, and here Don Logan was in the gym, <laughs> like after just landing. So like that'll tell you how driven Don Logan the car yeah. boys were. But like to the rest was like we were four days out from a game or three or four, and everyone was like, "Which pub are we going to?" Like you know, yeah, yeah.
1: like so it was just a total different mindset, you know. jeez that's crazy. Lads going to see where the jacuzzi is to for the next morning, and Don Logan's yeah. up front I'm not saying this in a bad way about Don Logan. That's how driven these lads oh, were. Totally, like, it's, yeah, it's exactly. It's impressive yeah. in a way.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, look, there's two sides every kind. It's hugely impressive. And probably that became, the, it's probably not the full norm now, but, you know, people are a lot more aware of the need to do real intense work in the gym and all that. But back then, 2005, lads were looking at him as if he had two heads.
1: Like, yeah, you know? there's no doubt that Cork team were before the time. There's no There's no doubt um, they were. Well, they, they moved things on. Like, you're right, because you wouldn't think twice now if you heard the Dublin footballers Went under team holiday, but they went to the gym straight away to, you know, loosen out their legs. Yeah. And you know, that wouldn't, you wouldn't even flinch at hearing that kind of level no. of specialism.
2: No, definitely not. And look, Don Log was ahead of Sam. We we did rave about that a couple of weeks ago as well. And look, look, even in this game, he'd even progressed further. He had the catch in glove. His contacts were changed. You know, he had these. Um, they looked like they were almost red contacts. He looked like he was um, a robot inside the goal. And I remember <laughs> they, they freaked me out one day down in Parky Quive. Um I was like, what is wrong with that lad? And then you look clo- you know, you kind of look again. And I I don't wear contact, so I don't I don't know what the, the point of them were or, or anything. But um you know, it's just he had he had brought things and he was constantly thinking of how could he improve his game and, and like he just was obsessed and, and, and look he brought goal given to a new level almost.
1: Yeah. So Cork were given out about the grass in Croke Park after the game. Uh, you can call it sour grapes. You could say, like, it's funny enough, um, John Allen says the grass was way too high. If you walked out any club pitch and saw grass like that, you'd be complaining straight away. It completely ruined out ground hurling, as if Cork would ever entertain <laughs> ground hurling. He says, the, <laughs> he says the truth is the pitch does not match up to the rest of what is a fantastic stadium. So they were given out about that. Nicky Brennan, a Kilkenny man, you know, to throw um, a, a bigger conspiracy onto it the Cork people would say Nicky Brennan didn't cut the grass because of suited Kenny I'm not sure how it could have suited Kenny maybe you can explain to me or like th- again this is a conspiracy theory I'm not saying this is what in any mm. way what happened well it certainly was extremely long and I can
2: attest to that because uh, 2006 was the 25 year anniversary of the 1981 All-Ireland uh, winning team for Offaly and I was on the field that day for my dad going out to do the, all the you know waving at the crowd and all that and it, it the minute we walked out, we were actually struck by how long the grass was. It like honestly, and if you look closely now now obviously I was looking back at it through those lens, if you look at the match again and look how the ball literally got lost in the grass when when maybe you might know, see Jodine placing the ball for a free or the same with Henry Shefflin. Or if you look if the st- stood down sometimes, like the grass was coming up right to the kind of up to where your socks are in your boots. Like it was it was Crazy, like yeah. I never seen anything like it. I've never seen Crow Park anywhere like that. Usually, it's a carpet. Look, I don't understand why it was. It doesn't suit hurling whatsoever. Usually, you want it, you know, shorter um, than than the, for for the grass instead of football. Well, but it was yeah. just crazy, uh, uh, like.
1: Yeah. Apparently, the reason they grew it longer was because Crow Park went through a terrible phase of the pitch being really slippy. And I remember yeah. it. I remember That's giving out right, about Jim. it as a player. I remember, yeah. you know, I remember a lot of controversy around that. And Nicky Brennan's excuse was that they grew the grass up a bit higher to stop the the players slip slipping. It. Yeah, and still players did slip on occasions during the game,
2: and you did actually notice that. And, and I think it was Martin Comfort changed his boots early on there as well because yeah, you had to wear six stud, and we we said that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, but look, <laughs> ground hurling was gone. It is like you can see why Cork were giving out about. They say that you know they grew the grass to try and slow Cork down with their running game, with thinking balls down the line that they might hold up in the grass. But look, there, you have there to, is a
1: theory to that though. That there is
2: sense. there is a theory to it, but like is that the truth? I don't know. Look, it's one yeah. of those unanswered questions, but at the same time, it's like anything or county final or Ireland final no matter what it is sometimes you just have to win whatever's thrown your way and you just have to get on with it if you're so focused you don't even notice these things you know yeah. so like it is a nine don't get me wrong you're playing in the Ireland final um, you know the biggest day of the year and you, you shouldn't expect grass to be that lent. Um, you can see why they were given out but probably kind of you would have held scum on that and, and maybe come out with maybe later
1: in the year or something like that yeah one thing I did think it would affect was Joe Dean's freeze because he rolled he rolled That's the ball right. back. Yeah. So I was thinking, Jesus, will it even roll back for him? Do you know, but he did all right on the freeze. But he a lot of the freeze he took were near, almost tap over ones. Yeah,
2: the war, Yeah, but it, yeah, would you believe I had the exact same thought when I was looking at it? I said, "God, that ball's placed very low," and trying to, you know, as you said, roll it back and 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 the roll lift to try and make sure he got it up. But you know, the, it it was it was it was really long. It was a really bizarre kind of thing to happen in that iron. And look, obviously, with Nicky Brennan being being present, GA, it does add to the conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. A fellow on uh, a fellow on Twitter replied back to me when I said I was doing this match. And he he said, "Oh, that was the match that Nicky Brennan grew the pitch to try and mess Cork up." And John Gardner liked the tweet. <laughs> oh, brilliant! That was a brilliant one. All these years later, but come here, Brian. We may leave this because Chad Fitzpatrick is joining us all the way from China. Cha, how's it going?
3: I'm flying here. <laughs> not, not a bother. Um, I suppose at the moment, China is as safe, as safe a safest place you could be. Um, yeah but yeah um hopefully hopefully uh businesses and schools and stuff will be returning um back to normality within the next few weeks so yeah we'll will uh, it's fairly peaceful here it's kind of like it's kind of like being on the dole here in china you know You're just tipping around the place <laughs>
1: <laughs> only you can't leave your house
3: right yeah well i suppose they've brought in you know, any foreigners coming in are completely blocked but i i, I came back here a uh, month ago, I was in Vietnam and Thailand there, traveling around. So, um, yeah, I was lucky lucky enough to get in before they brought this, you know, this complete ban on foreigners coming in. And if you come in, you have to spend 14 days, all right, in your apartment or a hotel. But but no, now I'm, I am have freedom of the city here. I can, I can go where I want. I can do what I want. You just, right. the, the, the way it's done over here is they have, um, everyone has a QR code, like a barcode. So you
1: just, wherever you want to go, you have to scan that in and, yeah, it's, it's very well monitored now, I have to say. Right, OK. So you're pretty much back to normal, just schools and stuff haven't reopened yet.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, we're like, I think, maybe like the teachers in Ireland or England or America, we're teaching online ourselves. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the situation for for the next few weeks. And geez, it's learning. this must be week eight, I'd say, at this stage. So, yeah, it's been a, a bit of a disruption, all right. But, um, yeah, what, what can we do, I suppose? Yeah. How close? How close are you to Wuhan? I'm only a stone, a stone throw from it. Um, it's to be the next, the next province up, I suppose. I'm, I'm in, <laughs> I'm just north. I'm in the, I'm in the middle of nowhere here in China. Uh, a province called Shanxi, and uh, Hubei is the province beside us. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm in the heart of China, but I'm lucky now. I wasn't uh, caught up in. Uh, in the province of Hubei or Wuhan, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So um, yeah, we've the cases have been pretty low here, but right. yeah, everyone everyone kind of follow everyone follows the rules here, you know.
1: <laughs> right, well, I'm sure to do, I'm sure to do. Come here, we're talking about the 2006 All Ireland uh, final here, and we were just talking in the studio here about the bit of controversy about the long grass in Croke Park. Do you remember? Do you remember that going on? I think Cork, Cork were complaining about it.
3: Yeah, geez, yeah. um, I suppose just thinking back to that final, I can't believe it's it's fourteen years ago. Is is that right? Yeah, fourteen years ago. (laughs) Jesus, it's like yesterday. But um, I think I think first of all, we were missing JJ Delaney. Yeah. That that season, I think he did his knee. I I I, you you can correct me on that. Um, But yeah, Cork were going for the three in a row, and they they had a serious team, and they were red hot favourites to remember and. We were complete underdogs. Actually, the night before, I had me head in, had me head in in a bucket of steam. I was I had an awful dose of a head cold or a flu or something. So, um, yeah, it was kind of. But I, I wasn't going to miss that final, and it was kind of adrenaline got us through. But yeah, I remember. I remember just going out for a few pucks before the match, and it was yeah, it was the grass was extra long. It was so somebody made a massive mistake. Like the, the I don't know, how it wasn't cut the night before the All Ireland or two days before it but we we didn't really complain we just got on with the job and um, yeah we I just remember we had lots of hunger and we were uh, building in confidence all year but it's yeah unusual at the time for like any teams if you going in as as underdogs but um, yeah we we, we were, were building serious momentum then
1: yeah no you definitely were how we were talking about the rivalry as well before we got you on the line how toxic did the rivalry get we know Don Log's comment that the Kilkenny team or the GA's version of the Stepford Wives and and things like that and then there's all this talk that on All-Star Tours you didn't, you didn't mix.
3: Yeah, I, I I suppose, you know, the car curlers, they were, in 04 and 05, they were exceptional um, and they had a lot of confidence within themselves and, yeah, I know some trips away talking to a few lads on it and stuff, you know, they kind of uh, kept to themselves in the, you know, Railway Cup trips away and, um look at that's that's their business. Um they had every right to be to be confident, but we were we were we were determined to uh to come off their throne, you know. But um yeah, look at it was, there was a, look at when someone brings out a book, uh <laughs> there's always going to be to sell a few books you need a bit of controversy and uh yeah, we look at I, I remember we had right crack in New, New York with it with some of the car there in uh, in the hotels and stuff, but um yeah, no, look at it was Good, good to look back with with, with some stories, you know, and uh, yeah, but um, yeah, there's there's no there's no doubt there was always a bit of rivalry there.
1: It looked like the two teams didn't like each other. Tennyson and McCarthy went at it early, shouldering each other. John Gardner pulled across Owen Larkin's foot. De Rock and, and uh, Martin Cummerford both got yellows for something the cameras didn't pick up. Noel Hickey pulled down across Brian Corcoran going for a puck out across his head. And Pat Mulcahy had a chop down on Martin Comerford. There was, there was no holding back in that in those games.
3: Yeah, now that you say it, there there's some serious um matchups <laughs> there between, you know, serious hurlers at the time. So yeah, it was it, it, it was it was tough. It was tough going. And I mean, anyone sitting on the throne is not going to be dethroned pretty easily and, and Cork were gonna were gonna fight and if they had to get tough, they were willing to do that. But I, I, I remember before that game going out, or maybe half time, but uh the likes of Noel Hickey. I remember Noel Hickey had his absolute venom coming out of his mouth. <laughs> he was absolutely uh, raw, determined to to you know to, to win that game. And I know maybe he had a bit of history with with uh, and, but he 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 had a score to settle with Brian Carken, I think, in the in in, in the O six South Ireland, um, yeah. or with Cork maybe. But yeah, we 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 just were not going to be stopped that day, no matter what. Um, and also, if you go back further, and you remember, we had a a very a very productive uh session down in Seafield a training session down there in Wexford and uh yeah even even uh, a retired a retired uh, fitness trainer Mick Dempsey he uh, he was he was kicking chairs around the place <laughs> he, he was he was firing us up for the for the championship ahead so we we were we were really had something to
1: prove uh something to prove that year yeah, because like I mean, there's no doubt you were fired up. Like you were hunting in packs, and that became, you know, your trademark. I wouldn't say you played brilliantly in the match.
3: No, it was it was it was a complete dogfight. Um, yeah. You can say maybe the long grass didn't help the ball moving fast. Um, and I suppose you have to remember, a lot of us Kenny players were not. We're only trying to make a name for ourselves. Um, you know, we had a disappointing two years previous, and. The likes of Richie Power coming through, like he, he was known, maybe well known name from minor and under-21, and John Tennyson was coming through, and um, Jack. I remember even Jackie Turtle. Jackie was the captain that year, and his confidence—he'll tell you that himself. His confidence was all over the place. He was corner back, and he wasn't sure of you know his starting position, but you know he delivered. He delivered on the big day, and from that, he, you know. And, uh, like a lot of players, built a huge platform and the foundation to to go on and win the four in a row. But uh, yeah, we were, you know, Cork, cork lads like Sean O'Gall, Bean, Gardner, um, Tom and Jerry midfield, you know, and Ben O'Connors and geez, they were they were the big names at the time, and we were only young lads up and coming. But we had a good mix of of young lads and uh, lads like Noel Hickey there, and uh, Henry was Henry was still running the show. And but but we were missing JJ Delaney, and I think that. That goes to show I had a strength we had in depth, you know, and we always had that for, for those four years or, or longer.
1: Yeah, because JJ had put Ben O'Connor in his pocket the year before um, or two years before or three years before in, in the final before when Cork um, had beaten Kilkenny. But you kicked on from that because there was a nervousness about yourselves in that final. But once you won that, you stopped Cork you went on to dominate then, Sha. Like, I mean, arguably the greatest team that's ever played the game and that, you just started blowing teams away.
3: Yeah, that really, that that yeah that platform set us off and I, I, I think to be fair to all the lads, you know, everyone kind of kept their head on the ground. Everyone remained focused, focused and you'd have to give credit to, to Cody there for keeping us all on the ground and I suppose it's difficult to keep young lads, you know, young lads in their 20s and uh, to, to keep them grounded and and focus on the job. But in no way I, did anyone kind of get ahead of themselves or there was, you know, never a talk of three in a row or four in a row. It was always there, but not within the camp. And yeah, um, no, we, we just, we, we, we hurled in the present and we always kept focused on, on the next game, even whether it was a league match or a championship match. Um, so yeah, no, that we, we built up some serious team uh, after that because that really gave us the confidence to say, yeah, we're good enough for this. A lot of young lads were blooded in. Uh, even like myself, i just moved to midfield, and we uh, our, our self confidence completely grew, and um, it, set, it set the stage for a, a great a great run.
1: Yeah, I think kind of 2008, you might have been at your peak. Nobody laid a glove on you that year. You beat Offaly by 18 points, Wexford by 19, you beat Cork by nine in the semi-final, and then you destroyed Waterford by 23 points. That was the year um, you captained them. So, like, I mean, you were untouchable in 2008, really.
3: Yeah, and the thing is, with a great squad there, you know, if, if, if one or two, if Eddie Brennan or Henry or Richie Power, if one of them are not hurling well, you have two or three other lads. <laughs> they always were hurling well, but <laughs> you have two or three other lads to pop in Or In the back, Tommy Welsh was, was awesome during those years. And I don't want to be naming lads now because you'll forget someone. But um, yeah, we we were always just focused on the performance. Uh, that final, you know, never even looked at the scoreboard. Um but realistically, in 08 against Waterford, it was over after, you could say, 20 minutes, really. Yeah. Um, well, it wasn't great for neutral supporters or uh, watching those games. But, you know, when you're in that zone, it's a bit like the Dublin footballers. You kind of, you don't really care what the supporters think. You don't really care what people watching in think. You just focus on your own unit, yourself and your own unit as a team. And you try and win all before you because, you know, you're, you you won't, won't be long. Your next game could be your last game. Um, see lads there with injuries and retiring it's a big commitment these days so when you're there when you're at it you need to take you need, you need to take advantage and milk it
1: Yeah no. so like I mean after 2008 things started going a bit wrong for you because you got dropped in 2009 Uh you you were dropped in 2010 as well but you played the final Um how, how did things start going wrong or did you have a particular bad game that Cody kind of lost faith in you or um. Yeah, I suppose
3: after, you know, achieving everything I wanted to achieve, you know, maybe the, maybe the drive and the passion went a little bit. Right. Um, I, I do remember a couple of things. That I, I, in nine I think I broke my wrist or my hand. That didn't help. I, I had a, a virus. I had the mumps as well early on in the year. So a few little niggly things. Um, and I know, I remember Mick Fenley was coming strong at the time. He was like, those lads, bite at, your, biting at your, your heels to get on the team. Michael Rice was coming as well, a serious athlete. Uh, I remember those two lads. They're much fitter, much... They could go up and down the field much faster than me, much quicker than me. Um, I was never that fast, but but I was able to read the game. But yeah, you had all these lads coming as well. And the motto was, if, you, if you're if you not performing, if you're... You know, you, there's always someone there to take your place. Um, yeah, I was kind of on and off there in O nine and 0- 0- 10. Uh, we were going for the five in a row. It was, a, you know, there was a lot of unfair around Kilkenny at the time and maybe too much in hindsight. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's very hard to keep performing at the top level as it, as an individual and as a team, because somewhere along the line, the, the drive, the drive and the passion slips a bit. And, you know, I retired early. All right. I, I, I achieved everything I wanted to achieve. So, but like I, I, always looked on there at you know the likes of Henry and Tommy Welch and um,
1: JJ uh,
3: Richie Power and and uh, JJ and all these ads. Like they, they kept at it so long. Like, how, where are they getting the drive and the energy from? Because at inter county level, you know yourself, you, you either give it a hundred percent or you don't do it. Um, but that was that was me, and I, I was always I always saw myself as an adrenaline hurling, as an adrenaline hurler. And yeah, when the when the adrenaline goes. You know, it's time, to, it's time to move on.
1: Well, like, I mean, you would be forgiven for that. Like in 2006, this is beyond belief. You won a National League, a Leinster and an All-Ireland at senior level. You won an under-21 um, and senior, uh, or you won a, a Leinster and All-Ireland at under-21 inter-county. You won a Kilkenny under-21 club. You won a senior uh, club, a Leinster club. Um, you won an All-Star and you won one Young Hurler of the Year. Like, I mean,
3: there was nothing else for you to win and, just and, to just go on that, that was it yeah and I, and the following March the following Paddy's day we went down and won the Club All-Ireland with Ali so, right. so so Hill. Some, yeah. some of the lads yeah some of the lads put in um, um, on the WhatsApp they put in uh, just a kind of um, a list of the things they won now, you know you, only looking back now you realise Jesus, that was that was an incredible year um I think someone did a comparison with uh, Conor Callan from Dublin, is it? Yeah. Um, a few years ago, he did an unbelievable year with football and hurling. He won everything, um, won everything before him. So it, at the time, at the time, you just keep going um, and you don't really realize what you're after achieving. But yeah, now looking back, you know, season um, and achieved everything I wanted to achieve. So yeah, um, the, the, probably the adrenaline, the hunger goes a bit with, with that much success. So, but
1: yeah, to be involved with the four in a row, I'm still, I'm still, you know, very satisfied with that looking back. Yeah, there's no doubt. Like, I mean, you're you're kind of on record of saying, you know, Rice and Fenley uh, were, you know, boxed about 21 to 21, and strength and conditioning came into it an awful lot, you know. But then I suppose in 2014, Richie Hogan was in midfield, so it maybe turned back a little bit, you know, the other way that if you had stayed. Um, you know, you would have got back in, but sure, you're happy. You're happy enough. You're only 26 when you're retired, which is an incredible uh, thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. I know. I, I wanted to do a bit of travelling as well. I remember going to went uh, down the west coast of America there, San Francisco, San Diego, and I, I had a great summer there. Um, yeah, just a bit of freedom. You know, it's 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 difficult as a young lad, and you're kind of you, when you feel like you're in you're trapped or you're kind of. Feel like you're in a sort of a prison. It's 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 a huge it's a huge commitment, and I I would say to any that going going into any inter-county football or hurling, you know, you have to be prepared to to give it a hundred percent. If you, if you're not, your heart is not in it. Just 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 don't get involved because it's a hell of an achievement. Um, or it's a hell of a commitment. And yeah, if you're look at, I I was very lucky to be involved with such a, a great group of lads, and we were very successful. But you know, it wasn't one player on a, on his own. It was it was a a group and management and everyone around them. So, um, yeah, it's a it, it's a hell of a commitment. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully the the Orleans season and the football season. Hopefully they they get back running. Uh, hopefully this year. Hopefully there is a championship.
1: Yeah. No. Exactly. You mentioned when you say you're you're in, you felt like you're in prison. Like, I mean, I dropped off the panel lots of times, and I always felt that I was trapped a little bit in that you didn't you wanted to you wanted to leave it that you weren't really enjoying it, especially uh, whenever, I, if I was on the bench or not getting on with a manager, I wasn't enjoying it, I wanted to leave. But there's a lot of pressure from fa- like family and different people that you'd be letting down by doing it. You know, so sometimes you feel stuck there.
3: That's it, yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, look at all, you know yourself, playing underage, me underage, you're always kind of known as a hurler, up-and-coming hurler, a footballer, and you have a reputation and, it's kind of your identity you've built up all your life, and uh, um, yeah, I know. I, I know for a lot of lads when they're thinking about will I pack it in or will I give it another year, or, or it happens. Um, yeah, for, for, for me, I, I just, I just knew it was the right thing to do. I, I, I just felt it was, it was the right time to go. Um, it, it was just when the passion or the hunger is not there. It's like the way I saw it was like climbing Mount Everest. You know, I, after climbing it five times, I said, "Jesus." Is it going to make any more any difference if I climb it one more time? <laughs> 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 I I just said, look at it. If, if you're not going to bloody, if if, if you're not ready to put in 100 percent of that, no, don't bother. Um, give somebody else a chance who, who would appreciate it. But yeah, I, I suppose all the all the way up underage, I was always used to kind of starting and um, I I was never a player to to spring from the bench and make an impact. I either I just I was flying from the start or I I just come come. Coming on and um, making making a big impact, like, like Billy Byrne or, or like uh, off that lad from Dublin, there, that footballer, I
1: can't think Kevin of. His Mac- name. <laughs> Kevin McManaman, yeah. Oh. That's, that's the lad, that's the lad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you're a very relaxed uh, child. You sound like not not too much is going to phase you in your life. No,
3: no, take it nice and handy. And the day you <laughs> do panic is today. That's the, that's the day you can't do, you can't think, you can't do anything, so no, I, I'd never, I'd never panic, I'd have a very low stress rate, heart, <laughs> heart rate is low, panicking will get you nowhere, worrying will get you nowhere, and
1: uh, yeah, take it nice and handy. That's so how, how how is the, <laughs> are you learning the Chinese, um, are you picking up the language over there, so that's, uh, the, the joke is obviously uh, understanding Chinese writing, you know, it doesn't look very easy.
3: Yeah, there's, yeah, Chinese is, is, is very difficult. So it does take time. The uh, best way to learn it is to listen first. You have to listen to four different tones. And yeah, they have the symbols all right, but there's what's called a p- pinion. And pinion is like uh, a- our alphabetical letters. And it has 26 letters and all that. that it's easier to learn the at first and the symbols are the meanings. Uh, so oh. yeah, it just takes, it takes time. Like when you look at it first, it looks completely, yeah, it looks completely um, uh, illiberal. But, but when you break it down, it is, it is possible. But you know, give me, give me two or three years, and I, I'll be able to speak
1: uh, fluently at it. Good man, yourself, well Come here. Thanks very much for taking the call. Take it easy over there.
3: No bother. Okay, Wooly. All the best. Good man. You
2: can't touch this. This. A few weeks later, they played Kilkenny below Nolan Park the same year. Ain't and i were being been hockey. But the camera went in to to the and show. there so was a fella warming up. Jesus, Lord, you should see <laughs> <him>. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's He was massive. <laughs> Legs ass, <laughs> spilt. But I like burst out laughing.
1: There he was, <laughs> the epitome of what I said. I told you, homeboy, boy. Can't touch this. Yeah, that's how we living, and you know. Can't touch this. Okay, so Kilkenny won 16, Cork won 13. It was interesting, a few positional changes Kilkenny made from the very start of the game, Brian. Henry went in on The Rock, because, you know, The Rock was Blaggard and Martin Comerford the last, you know, the two years previous. Eddie Brennan went out on Sean Ogahalpine, who got the better of Henry two years previous, and Richie Power went into the corner. So, immediately I thought Kilkenny kind of are on the ball here with a few of these changes.
2: Yeah, they definitely had changed it up, and uh, you know they were trying to maximise, you know, scoring prowess. But uh, amazingly, like it was, you know, a Taggy Fogarty was that was the man. Like he probably only won about five possessions, but he got one free, and just you know he he was li- lightning inside in that corner and gave Pat Mulcahy a torrid time. And you know Henry did well. He'd serious battle with with uh, Dermot, Dermot O'Sullivan. Now Dermot played on the edge. He really did that day. Now he was he, he kind of got away with a lot of real tough stuff got pulled up just at the very end, was whinging to Barry Kelly, um, got done for, for playing Henry Sheffield instead of the ball. And um, I was just kind of laughing to myself because I was like, you're after getting away with murder here for maybe 60 <laughs> minutes. Um, yeah. And you finally got pulled up. But that was a big moment in that game as well. But you know, Henry got three pints from play, a couple of mistakes from Cork or maybe where they were put under pressure um, early on. But Henry probably could have got six or seven points yeah. from play. He he, he, had a, he had a lot of poor wides and really routine scores, which should have been for Henry Sheffield.
1: That was the thing. I, I didn't even put him into performance at the weekend. Even though the good things he did, he was brilliant. But the wides yeah. were just uh the wide the wise and the deflating wides when you're a talisman like that. Now he played well. I thought it was interesting at the start of the game. Kilkenny hunted down Pat Mulcahy coming out and he caught the ball twice and Henry actually celebrated that to the crowd like it was like he was after yeah. a goal. But I, I remember like it used to annoy me with hurling analysis that all analysis used to come back to intensity and it like right up until 2010, 11, 12 when you're starting to get a little bit like right this is par for the course right there is, but there is no doubt the only way I can analyse that game is Cork could not live with Kilkenny the intensity no. they brought to that game and that like at that time I would say that's fair analysis of that game
2: Yeah like they, that was probably the real birth of you know, and never went back after that. It was maybe happened the odd time before that, but it was the real birth of forwards just becoming out and out defenders as well as, as ha- attackers. You know, up yeah. to then it was done in patches, you know, and it was like, oh yeah, they're working on But from there on, it just became the norm. That was, that became Kilkenny's go-to. And it also, obviously it was the birth of this Kilkenny team, but it just became the ball, the game of win whatever ball comes your way. You know, yeah. hold it up there, high ball, whatever. Just win it, keep it up there, turn it over, and just work and get you know get scores out somewhere. And you know it was still reasonably low scoring, like one sixteen. Like you know that wouldn't come anywhere close to winning Ireland. nowadays, it is, you know, and um, no. even even the halftime score one eight to eight, like it was mad, really.
1: Like, I wouldn't say Kilkenny played, played, uh, played that well at all. Like, Chai no. even, Chai even uh, like admitted that they were nervous, you know, yes. and those, those wives would feed into that. So they never let down on their intensity and their work rate up front and in the defence. Their, their effort was massive, but there was definitely a nervousness about them where they, like they could have, they, realistically, they should have beaten Cork by seven, eight, nine points that day. Yeah, because look, as I said, apart
2: from Ben O'Connor, none of the rest of the forwards made any inroads whatsoever. You know, Jodine got a great point starting off and set up Jerry O'Connor, as I said, but thereafter, you know, he he got, okay, he got little or no supply, but like, you know, he didn't have any influence. And again, Brian Corkin, um, you know, didn't get a puck off Noel Hickey. He completely, you know, Noel Hickey completely um, turned around what happened to him two years previously, you know, and and Jackie was was steady in the corner. Um, and, you know, in reading Jackie's book as well, he he was only starting to come into the scene then and was very nervous going to that and wouldn't have started that final only for J.J. Delaney was out. Um, you know, so John Tennyson in, in probably in the first 20 minutes had a great battle with Niall McCarty, but, you know, as the game wore on, Niall McCarty's influence on the game completely, um, you know, diminished. Yeah. Um, so, like, Cork made no real inroads up front and, uh, you know, it was probably Kilkenny, as you said, you know, not taking their chances and maybe just you know, maybe a bit of blind hurling at times, just getting the ball and lumping it down the field. And there was even a couple of occasions there where Henry or Henry didn't know where the ball was going. Eddie didn't know where the ball. They were literally looking around. They didn't know whether it was high or where it was where it was gone. And Jeremy Sullivan actually was winning the ball uncontested. Um, so there wasn't a huge amount of fluency to Kilkenny's hurling either. I think you're you're right
1: on that. I think their defense really uh was outstanding Kilkenny like 113 for Cork like I mean I think they identified Brian Harker and you're right Hickey did well on him but Tommy Walsh was back doubling up on him Tennyson was was dropping in front of him for puckouts because he was actually a target for Donalog's puckouts on a couple of occasions and then in the second half Cha was well back in you know back winning ball back there and it, it was almost like you know, like the intensity from the forwards but there was a ravenous intensity to their backs as well oh yeah
2: 100% and like T- Tommy was loving it you know he was stuck in the middle of, and he was coming yeah. out with ball and he was just turning and driving it down the field over his shoulder
1: um, you know he's just he did a he, lot of doubling up now in fairness Tommy yeah, yeah helping. Th- he was helping other lads out an awful lot yeah, and their half back line sat so deep, particularly in that sec-
2: second half as you're talking about when the you know the two midfielders dropped deep and you know the the, the famous time where James Royal, you know, makes up massive ground. Yeah. There's about four Kilkenny players chasing Jerry O'Connor. And James Royal, who you wouldn't expect to be fast, but obviously he's tall and rangy, just a brilliant reach and dispossesses Jerry O'Connor. That was a big moment in the game because it was right. shutting down that running game and you know right. showed Richie Power chasing back down the field, you know, and and winning the breaking ball and winning the free and you know there, there's another occasion where Eddie, Eddie Brennan as well who who you know it was hit or miss Freddie and I was actually delighted I was watching it like kind of as a, a you know a bit of a neutral and I was actually delighted Freddie to see how hard he was working and it wasn't working I was delighted when he actually got that point point. Um, and then another stage after he's working deep down the field and doesn't get anywhere near um the ball carrier, but he sees the run of Ben O'Connor kind of in the corner of his eye and he tracks him maybe about 30 metres and it just shows how, as a unit, how hard they were working and it's amazing I read comments about that, their plan going into that game was actually to, you know, to shadow the runners and, and not to actually get sucked into the ball carrier. And, um, right. And, and, you know, so that if if the ball carrier, you know, was obviously looking for them to commit and then they'd offload it and, you know, that the runner would have loads of space. But when, that all went out the window the minute the ball was thrown in. They were just so ravenous and they just hunted in packs. And it was probably the hunting in packs which, you know, caused those turnovers to actually happen. It was amazing think- that their plan just went out the window when the ball was thrown in.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, though. That was a big moment by Ryle, because that was midfielder to midfielder in a running game. You know, Tom Kenny hand-passed to Jerry O'Connor, and he's away, and that's what Cork were known for, but James Ryle was able to stop him. You mentioned the point already that Jerry O'Connor got from the puck-out. Do you notice Stone Logue's uh, signals for the puck-out? So I was going to say, I was watching this, and I started pausing it, and I was saying, I'm going to try and crack his puck-outs now, because he put his his signals, so he put his fist up in the air first. And I went along to Brian Corcoran, just a closed fist straight up into the air. And I went, right, I'm going to look out for that again now. And then the next one or a couple later, um, he put his hurl up in his left hand and that puck out went to Jodine on the 45. Jodine had come out to collect it. The problem was he had signals. It's just the camera didn't go back on him in time to see the signals before. The, you know what I mean? Before yeah. OK, so I was like, I'm really going to enjoy this now trying to figure out who he you know. <laughs> but if there's a trend, you know, like yeah. if it goes up because he could change them every game. But like I suppose in the one game, he could get away with it. Um, he was actually pulled up for two puck outs that were taken too quick, which seemed to be, um, you know, Deignan, uh was commenting on that, you know, as if that, you know, that's fair enough. Yeah, I thought the
2: bottom were fair, particularly, I think it was the first one, like the ball had barely gone wide. I think he, yeah, he caught the ball as it was, bounced out over the line and in the same movement just turned and struck the ball, you know, across the 21 to um, Pat Mulcahy. Okay, he struck it about 40 metres and Pat Mulcahy was outside the 21. But, you know, There was no whistle, you know, and and the rule is it has to be the whistle from the referee. And that hasn't changed. And I know Donald was trying to speed it up and he felt aggrieved. But, you know, like from a genuine neutral position, you can 100% see why that was pulled up. And it was the exact same situation with the second one. The ball had just, I think it was a wide shot or something. And like he had another ball in his hand. You know, I was actually watching yeah. him in that situation. There was a young lad you know, so, throwing him a ball there. It wasn't the umpire. There was yeah, there was There was a young lad. But maybe the young lad had slipped the ball to him as, as, as you know, Don Logue probably noticed it was going wide or something. But like he literally, the ball was only hitting the back net and Don Loeb was poking the ball out. You know, yeah. so
1: that's how quick it was. So I did think both of them were fair enough, you know. Right, right. Okay. Obviously, the goal was the big uh, turning point of the of the game. where It gave Kilkenny the breathing space that they deserved. Um, and that was a puck out to Cumberford, which nearly all the Clackity puckers went to Cumberford and gave a ball in, and it bounced off the Rock's hand. How did it bounce straight out like that? Is you? Un- is it unusual for a ball? It's almost like the Rock passed it back to him, but he obviously was trying to catch it. But it must have hit the the heel of his hand because it hit it, something hard because it bounced back out like unusually. Yeah, it hit
2: it probably hit. Either the palm of his hand or, or the heel of his hand. You know, so you're always trying to catch the ball in your fingers, right? Um, and the top half of your of your palm, but predominantly in your fingers. So it obviously hit his palm, or and I'm nearly certain it was his right hand. He was trying to catch the ball with. He see he was trying to hold off Eddie Brennan with his left hand, and his right hand is not his predominant ca- catching hand. So, right, he, you know you might catch them but you won't be as you know as natural catching the ball as in your as in your dominant hand or your catching hand um, so that maybe was was that and you know it fell out and it was a brilliant snipe from Aidan Fogarty because Pat Mulcahy looked like he'd you know he didn't really know where the ball was but he looked like he's got his body in the way and you know Taggy got his arm kind of underneath uh, Mulcahy's shoulder and caught it in around his chin so sure, Mulcahy didn't know where the ball was you know and he turned him quick as a flash then but being honest, like, you know, Michael Deignan was blaming Rock for not catching it and, you know, should have been throwing Eddie out of the way, which he had a point, but, you know, I'd say Don Logue was disappointed. I, I, you know, he, uh, a keeper of his stature really should have been stopping that. I know straight, straight it down was his throat. Hit, but, yeah. uh, you know, I I, I I, think Don Logue probably, you know, is haunted over that one. Deignan didn't, doesn't have much time for The Rock, did he? No. What? <laughs> you see, yeah, The Rock like, as I said, I thought he was hugely physical in this game now. Um, he seemed to ratchet it up again and, you know, he, he played the man a huge amount and, and wasn't afraid to kind of shield lads off and, you know, play, really played in the edge, which is, look, it's, it's what you want your full-back doing, but um, he definitely was, uh, he, he wasn't sparing lads anyway and I suppose... That likes a dygnant. He wouldn't enjoy those uh, white and blue boots either, or silver and blue boots.
1: <laughs> yeah, which I'm surprised about the rock uh, wearing them. There's no doubt about that. So that's it. Like the Cork goal, realistically, was a it was it was probably consolation score, but it kept Kilkenny sweating and nervous. Did it? Interestingly, Cork didn't even get a shot at the goals. Pretty much, even after scoring it, and they had about six minutes left to to do it. But that just shows you how Kilkenny had probably shut them down. And the goal didn't really change the game all that much. No, it didn't, but it,
2: geez, it was a brilliant goal because Niall McCarthy, like, you know, obviously turned two or three of them and great move inside, and usually that you know, nothing comes of that. You know, the initial move caused a bit of a shock, but it was a brilliant recycle of the ball, you know, straight to hand under Beautiful, serious yeah. pressure, and Ben O'Connor put it. The only place you could put a low bottom corner, look, you, you've heard me rabbit on about that loads of times. And there's a perfect example. And, you know, Tommy was diving to try and get the block, but there's nothing you can do about it when a stroke is hit low like that. Um, and it was a brilliant finish. And look, I've said it already, Ben O'Connor was corked main forward. I thought he was excellent from play. Henry's miss after that, like that that almost seemed to be a big moment. You know, like any won that three, John Gardner, rash, very, very rash challenge, you know, and you'd have been annoyed if you were a Cork fan to see him. I know he lined up Martin Comfort for a big shoulder, but it's not the time or place for a big shoulder. That's where you you smother him. You know, you put your arms around him and, you know, you you try and turn him over and win, you know, win a free maybe for overcarrying or whatever and he caught him straight in the chin with the shoulder and it was a simple free for Henry and it just goes to show like, we've seen Joe Canning miss him in those places. We've seen TJ Reid. We've seen Henry Shefflin now. Like, anyone can miss those type of frees in big pressure games Um, and, you know, you were just, you you thought then, God, God, Cork have a chance now. You know, like, but as you said, Kenny just closed up shop and never even gave him, you know, any sort of opportunity at all to try and work a goal or even get it back to two points, you know.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely was. Jeez, you have just on the, the Ben O'Connor goal and Niall McCarty, He it was Jackie Tyrrell and Tommy Walsh doubling up on him. And That's right. He slipped them out of the end line. You're wondering, jeez, how does he escape that? Yeah, it was, it was brilliant footwork because, look, he probably...
2: He probably um, he his body position initially looked like he was going to come back across the goal you know yeah. turning onto his and left side Cyclops, and then yeah. yeah and then just you know quick movement of the feet and turned and look Jackie talks about that as well as Bohol like he he wasn't as you know free footed as he should have been he was a lot more cumbersome and learned a huge amount actually from getting turned in that particular position and you know probably he used that as a reference point to how he could improve his game as he went on through the years and you know Tommy was just coming in ball headed he was he was going after the man and that was it so um, yeah. yeah look it was, I just thought it was brilliant from Lionel McCarty really because even, even each strike across it was so accurate to get it to hand
1: and he was under so much pressure because he, he he just avoided the hook, so he couldn't have a huge backswing um, in his strike. Right. Okay. Obviously, we all know Kilkenny Ke went on to dominate. Then um, they won three more after that to win four in a row in two thousand and seven. They destroyed Limerick. Uh, well, beat them well in the final. Two thousand and eight. Then I think they were at their peak, like uh, yeah. Chad said, when Chad captained them. No, they didn't leave a glo- nobody laid a glove on them in two thousand and eight. To beat Offaly by eighteen points. In the semi-final in Leinster, Wexford by nineteen in in the Leinster, Cork by nine in the semi-final, and Waterford by twenty-three points. Like I kind of have it in my head, it was a longer domination by Kilkenny because obviously there were underdogs going into this one, and then in two thousand and nine Tipperary had a great final against them and could have beaten them. So it was those. Tr- it was probably those three years, um, or two, only two years actually, seven and eight, where the you know th- they were untouchable. Yeah no because they were still murdering everyone except for Tipperary in Bye, 2009
2: okay. and 2010 you know they they put up massive scores in the league and championship against teams you know they the everyone got a massive beat like you're talking a 20 point plus beating every single yeah. team in the country got that. <laughs> yeah. Do you know like between like like Tipperary got it again later on you know maybe 2011 and for god forbid beating them in 2010 you know the cheek of them yeah. um, but Tipperary were you know, they were coming um, and the start of that was in, you know, obviously Sheedy took over, but the start of that was that national league final in 2009, which went time. That was an absolute cracker. Um, and and I remember I was on an all-star trip in uh, 2009 and Liam Sheedy was there and uh, we were in Buenos Aires and um, I remember chatting him about it and he just said, um, you know, he just was extremely confident that, they had Kilkenny's measure and I mean, was kind of half you know looking at him going yeah yeah you know he, he hurled well this year but I couldn't see where this you know massive improvement was going to come you know that kind of a right. But just Sheedy believed it and obviously he made his players believe it too and and look it obviously came out in, in 2010 so it, w- it was um, it was just amazing to get that little insight from Sheedy because um, I couldn't see it happening and just his sheer belief that they were going to do that in 2010
1: Right, OK, so you, maybe you're right then. I'm talking nonsense because they obviously lost it in 2010, but then won in 11 and 12 again. So they won, they won six out of seven All-Irelands.
2: Yeah, yeah, like it was just like t- Tipperary were the only ones that were literally able to bring them to the brink you know in that time and, and they weren't able to sustain it either you know the, the, it was an absolute classic in 2009 it, it's one of my favourite All-Irelands yeah. I've ever seen that tip and kick any game um, loads of talking points so we'll definitely have to cover that one and you know
1: like Tipperary a- apart from them though no one else kind of Consistently could run them close, you know. Right, right, okay, yeah, because and they won leagues in six, nine, and twelve. So they won yeah. one league and championship doubles in three of those years. So yeah, you suppose you're right. And it, it was Tipperary actually giving them decent games in national league finals around that time too. Exactly. Yeah. So that rivalry
2: between you know what what was initially Cork and Kilkenny. It definitely that, that was took over completely between Tip and, and Kilkenny. And it was a brilliant rivalry, you know, that as I said, it's something that we're gonna to have to look at because yeah, you know, well, you've were, all you've all those games, you know, where, where Larry Corbett, you know, ran amok in twenty ten, but then obviously that, that farce that happened where he's trying to mark Tommy Walsh and Jackie Turner oh, yeah. and Pal Burke caught up in it as well. So, you know, so it was a brilliant rivalry though. Do
1: were yeah, but to, it was a brilliant were I would say there were more brilliant games. Then a brilliant rivalry because nine times out of 10 Kilkenny were winning it they were just brilliant games can it be a rivalry who one team ends up winning most, most of the time <laughs> but still still they
2: stopped and that that was the one that always called Kilkenny they still stopped them to win that five in a row you know and yeah. and they fully deserved it obviously that day so that that that, that is the reason why, as you say Kilkenny still dominated them um, Tipperary were still the only ones that could ever actually you know beat them and had that confidence slash arrogance, and I, I mean that in a good way, um, that they, no matter how good Kilkenny were, they still fancied themselves that they could do it.
1: And Cork um, disappeared incredibly, because there was a lot of talk in 2006 about a Cork domination, um, incredibly, and then in 2007, Waterford beat them twice. Um, in 2008, Tip beat them in Munster, and Kilkenny beat them by nine in the All Ireland semi finals So now the gap is out to nine on Kilkenny in in just 2 years after that All-Ireland final and then Galway beat them in the qualifiers 2009 they didn't even make the All-Ireland quarter final and the 2009 team had Donal Cusack John Gardner running current Sean O'Gaherty and Tom Kenny, Gerry O'Connor, Ben O'Connor and Timmy McCarthy still on the go. Still so, like, on I mean, the like yeah. I probably not good enough really from Cork and they had a couple of they had a, they, they they had a, a PR disaster where they opposed Gerald McCarthy's appointment as manager who is a, a legend in Cork and then they rode in bet- behind the footballers Um, to get rid of their manager and the public perception just went completely against that Cork team
2: Totally and there's one point uh, or one match which probably this all came out and that was actually Kilkenny and Cork in the National Hurling League in Nolan Park and it was around it's 2010, 2011 around then and Kilkenny annihilated them this is what you're talking about they beat them by 20 points and the Kilkenny crowd were ravenous the same day they just every single score was was like cheered as if it was the winning point in all Ireland it was just unbelievable and Henry came on as a sub and drove it on even more and they just they put the foot on their throat and just did not give them an ounce of space and it seemed to be like you're getting what you deserve now for everything you've, that you've done down through the years kind of thing it was just it was it was an amazing game like to, to look back on that National Early League game because it was um Kenny just like it was like it was just like they
1: were, you know, beating them and wanted to humiliate them you know, almost. It was, right. it was amazing. Right, OK. I would, that wouldn't have been after Donalogue's book. Donalogue's book would have come after that, I presume. I, I, I am nearly certain it would have been after that, yeah. I think so, yeah, because I, I, I definitely, I think the line in his book where he says, like, and this is Kenny, ta- this is just shows the kind of cockiness and the confidence, and I don't mean this in a bad way again, of of Cork and Donalogue in particular, who was probably the leader in that dressing room. And we've grown up with we've grown up in the rivalry with these fellas and their black and amber colours and their tradition, which they hold up against ours every now and then to measure their worth. Kilkenny have to measure their worth <laughs> against Cork. Like it's just an incredible, it's an incredible sentence, really. It's Kilkenny we're talking about. Like Yeah, but I suppose like you have
2: to remember, like Cork were the dominant team for maybe the 100 years previous, you know, and they were leading the role of honour and Kilkenny were hugely dominant in Leinster for all those years but they didn't really have Cork's measure only on the odd occasion so Cork were the, the powerhouse, they were the, the big one of the three and right. it's only that shift in that Kilkenny team um, where they've become hugely dominant, like look at the Mount of All-Irelands that Cody have won so, and how far they've progressed in the title so, like, you know, it was, you, you can see where Don Log's Attitude is coming from, but <laughs> you know, still at the same time, I think there were there were great rivals. I don't, I, I don't think though that uh, <laughs> I don't think that Kilkenny at the same time ever were too worried or bothered about uh, about Cork to that extent. I think there's always been, especially because the, they border each other. I think there's always been a more um,
1: fierce rivalry with Tipperary. Yeah, no, I think you could be right. Right, we'll leave it there, Brian, and we'll come back with performance of the weekend.
2: I'd never be allowed to go off and have a heap of shite, like, him, and have a slab or whatever. Like, I was always doing a bit. All I remember as I thought I was going to get clobbered on the way in there. I threw the ball up in there. I don't know, it was, it was pure luck, no in Pure luck. I had soccer fucking bullshit. as you seen yourselves...
1: So performance of the weekend, uh, Brian, and Michael Dygan said in the commentary, he said, who's going to be the unsung hero? It happens so often in all-earned finals. Some player, there's there's nothing made of him beforehand. He steps up. Um, like he, he couldn't have said it any better for yeah. Aidan Fogarty, who, like, he, he hadn't scored a point in the championship until that match. He scored one goal. That's all he had scored. And he scores one three in an all Ireland final. And just a, a brilliant performance. And so economical
2: as I said earlier you know he maybe had only won five possessions and scored one three and you know his very first point was a brilliant score because Camille yeah. is on him and he's physical on him you know exactly what you want your cornerback to do and he, he shrugged him off to maybe in the hint of a free but you know Taggy was gone and that was it won the ball skipped inside the challenge I think it was a run and, Karnan, and, and got a great score and nailed it and it was just like this man's up and running and you know look like, like all forwards as I said earlier you know they they just they love it when they get going and he just won brilliant ball thereafter you know just yeah. one hard ball in the air on the ground and you know he's three points in play were actually brilliant scores and he's won in the second half as well because he hadn't touched the ball in the second half but he, you know, caught the puck out and ran his three or four metres and switched hands and drove it straight over the bar. So, look, he he was excellent.
1: Was that a break? The third one was from a break off a puck out, but the second one, he caught a clean puck out and scored. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all yeah. his three points were kind of his own. For his first two points, one, the first one was an in individual points, Second one, he caught a puck out and scored. And then the third one, he he ran across a break. Oh, that's that right. That Sorry, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Wayne Sherlock didn't go with him at all. Yeah. He was only after coming on, you know, because
2: Pat McCarty was taking off. and. You know, look, Wayne just let him go, and you would expect—you know—he should have had the engine in him at that stage to, to stay going, but he just switched off maybe for a second, and Taggy picked up that break. Yeah, sorry, and and
1: and fired over. So. That was um, it, and he he was fouled for one of Henry's frees in the first half as well, and he he had a great hook on the rock. Like I thought, his first half, uh, his first half one two was excellent. You're right. The second half he wasn't in it that much. Just got that other point, but like I mean, in a in a game where one sixteen wins it, and you're scoring one three, and you've only scored a you've only scored a goal in the whole championship before that. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
2: But look. It turns out, and as we know, and time time has been good to him with with Brian Cody. He has a knack of doing that. You know, he's done that before with Wally Walsh, with John Power um bringing in Kieran Joyce to get him on the match at the other end of the field you know so um these starting these players not out of the cold but you know where where you least expected and and to turn out to get man the match so um, he just has that knack of being able to do that yeah
1: chap Fitzpatrick, patrick um, absolutely incredible especially in the second half now where he just he ran the show in the second half like i mean this is a fella at that time must have been only 21 years of age um, you know, like, I mean, that's absolutely inc- 20, 20, probably 22. Incredible. Like I'm mean, an incredibly likable fella from chatting to him there in China. Like chat is just the most relaxed man. You'll ever you'll ever meet, and like to give up on all Ireland's just to say, look, well, I'd achieved everything I wanted to, and then he wanted to do a bit of travelling and stuff, and leave it to somebody else to win them. My favourite line was like, I mean, when you climb Everest five times, does it really matter if you climb it one more time?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it sums up. Ja. But look, he, he the Kilkenny players love him. You know, they, they they just loved the way his approach was, and um, he just was so laid back. And they had to keep an eye on him because he, he he you know, he he didn't uh, he always trained hard, but you know he was he was fond of of going out and enjoying himself and socializing and and uh, and that. And but he just kind of had that kind of languid style where he just kind of went about his business so quietly, but just so dominant. And he's that performance in that second half was unbelievable. But I remember in Kieran's when when we were growing up along you know he was a, a bit younger than us a good bit younger than us and he, he used to come up and, you know maybe poke around with us at lunchtime or whatever and there was one time where just one of the lads wrapped him up in a tackle and you know he, he luckily he had to you know get rid of the ball but he just kind of threw it kind of behind his back and over his shoulder and, and met it you know controlled it on the other side and it was just everyone was like, "What is going on here?" Like it just was different gravy. It was like almost like you know soccer, soccer skills, and soccer am or something. And like it was like, "Geez, this lad has it." And look, he had it in spades. And like I, you, you, you all, you love his attitude, don't you? Because like it was so kind of blasé about his hurling, yet so. So, like, so obviously talented and gifted in what he was able to do. And that was one of the best performances he probably ever put in. And look, he had a hell of a year in 2006 between it
1: all. Yeah, and two football kicks in the second half, which you'll always go down well with me, um, <laughs> <laughs> Brian. There's no doubt about that. I know, he was just, he was outstanding. He was outstanding. Um, and he was on the long-range freeze as well, which I found interesting. Like, did he have a long puck of it or was he just dropping them into the square? Or what, or how did that come about?
2: He No, he did. And he, like, he used to hit freeze, to see, going up along um, for minors and under-21s. And, you know, he, so when he was playing out midfield, um, you know, he Henry just obviously left them left them to him, so they're the same club, obviously, and you know, Henry trusted him um inherently from from that perspective. So, you know, he, he was able to score points from distance. We saw that like Chad was more a kind corner of forward all the way going up yeah, so yeah. Your typical thirteen, and it was you know, it wasn't until you know it was tried at under twenty-one level that um, it worked and, and and by all accounts they played to Kenny Seniors in a, in a practice match between the 21s and Seniors and he ran amok in this game midfield and then Cody said right okay I've just found a little gem here and you know played in midfield from thereafter so it just you know he, he was just such a talent that him being in the corner it, it, we weren't getting to see the best of him because you know he wasn't probably, didn't have enough pace to be that lightning corner forward like Eddie Brennan, maybe. Yeah. And then, even though he was strong in the air, You know, it's just a different position to play, obviously, and probably wasn't as patient inside. Whereas he was in the take of it out midfield and was brilliant at breaking ball and you know could score from distance. So it just suited these games so much more when he was when he was put out to
1: midfield. It it kind of became fashionable a little bit to convert forwards into midfielders at that time, didn't it? It it did happen myself, even. Yeah, did did you go out there, Damien Hayes? Did it? I think he might have started a Cha, yourself. There's probably another few that I can't think of off the top of my head, but like I mean. It, in around that time it was like put a put a good kind of good skillful player into midfield who can get on ball and throw it around yeah well yeah.
2: for me actually it was, um, I was I was maybe played there a bit of club you know what I mean you might go out during a game out to midfield or whatever and you might be able to score points and distance but with Offley actually it was Ollie Baker came in with us and Ollie had a, a preference for big players so you know, our forward line, not one of them were below six foot. So I kind of didn't really stand a chance. <laughs> there was nothing I could do. I couldn't grow four or five inches <laughs> to put myself into that bracket. So actually, I, I he put me out midfield kind of in training. Um, and I was actually on the B team, but uh, I kind of had to take it on the chin. And I said to myself, do you know what? If you're going to play me midfield and I'm going to give you no opportunity but to play me so I had to kind of reinvent myself as a midfielder and do what you said I was far from a box to box midfielder I didn't have that level of fitness I never had it but you know what you're talking about Damien Hayes Chad that sort of thing I said right I can win a lot of ball around the middle field I can win breaks I can be a link man and I can maybe pop up with a pint or two as, as the game went for, uh, as the game progressed but I tell you one thing I didn't have the engine that was expected of Intercounty Hurling and, and, and I wouldn't have survived in today's game know. Anyway.
1: Right right okay. Tommy Walsh is another one um, just outstanding in a defensive um, capacity some good clearances but not, not a huge amount of clearances for Tommy Walsh usually he probably drives an awful lot more ball down just the, the defensive getting on brakes doubling up just uh, shutting the house down yeah
2: I, I kind of a, one of those you know real Tommy Walsh displays real Tigerish um, you know defiant went going after ball, bald headed and you know just getting it and driving out through players and driving it over his shoulder didn't care where it went but he was getting it out of that area and um, you know he was absolutely actually couldn't hit high ball down top from him because he was going to claim it although Neil Ronan did win the very first one first, first one you know, yeah yeah. but uh, actually he thought he'd won the free but actually it was uh, John Tennyson had pushed Niall McCarthy just as they were coming <laughs> to, the, yeah, yeah. to the high ball but yeah uh, um, you know Tommy just it just, as I said it, it was a brilliant performance and we have to bear in mind how under pressure maybe that Kilkenny team might have felt going into that the fact that JJ wasn't playing you know he was their talisman he was their best hurler his previous hurler of the year winner and you know he was a big loss in that half back line and for the likes of Tommy he really stood up to the plate and just gave an an, an exhibition hurling you know so yeah. it's like Tommy had moved you know, as I said, he'd moved back through the lines at that stage, you know, he was back wing back and he had, you know, found his position at wing back and more natural at midfield and, you know, I I just thought it epitomised everything that was good about Tommy.
1: I think it was was a really funny moment I thought it was out under the Cusick stand and I'm nearly sure Tommy was over there and it could have been Jackie Tyrrell who gave him a little scuttery one along the ground. And I would say Tommy was thinking in his head, What the hell are you doing giving me this? But he rose it up and ran down to where Jackie was and threw it up and drove it, <laughs> and drove it down the field. Do you remember what I'm talking about? It might not have been Jackie who gave it to him. Yeah, but I remember yeah, he yeah. gave him one in a very tight situation where I'm sure Tommy was thinking in his head, What the hell are you doing giving me a, a little ball like that for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, kind of ran back towards him and then. And drove then it drove it, it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah drove yeah, it over his shoulder yeah. down. Yeah, Alison, it was Outstanding. Martin Comerford was outstanding. Uh, I thought the whole way through. Constant target for puck and and really improved on his performance two years um, before. The, uh, I suppose on the Cork team, John Gardner put Owen Larkin in his pocket, which is very unusual. Owen Larkin being as good as he was. And Ben O'Connor could thank his lucky stars that, Jack, or that JJ got injured in training after what JJ did to him um, two years before. He actually could breathe in this match. Um, so probably to those two for Cork, I thought were their two best performers. Ronan Curran probably good as well yeah like I, I talked earlier, yeah he, he, he was um,
2: very good at wing back you know he hurled on the edge or, or well past it you know you, you referenced that stroke he pulled on on O'Neill but sure he got away with it I suppose that's <laughs> the way he'd be looking at it he did flake him and uh, you know didn't even get a yellow card for it and you know, look, as I said, I thought it was a silly free at the end, but he got a brilliant point from play where he where he got out in front of his marker and, you know, drove up the field and got a great score. And he was actually moved up to midfield. It was actually the third marker that went on Chad that day. That tells you how dominant Chad was midfield because yeah, sure. Jerry Connor was moved off and Tom, Tom Kenny uh, was moved over on him. And Tom Kenny was moved back to wing back and Gardner came to midfield. Um, but Gardner was good. Now I have to give him credit. Um, ben O'Connor, as I said, I thought he was Cork's best forward. He you can see where Cork tried to change it up as well. They didn't play him wing forward. They did start him corner on Jackie Turtle. You know, they, they would have seen Jackie of the six being the weakest link um, at that particular time. You know, it's amazing we're saying that, but he would have been, you know,
1: for those yeah. six at the time. It's funny, it's funny um, that Jackie didn't play badly. Jackie
2: had a no, good game. He did have a good game. And you know, for a guy that was under so much pressure at the time and you know, you know, didn't feel comfortable uh, playing cornerback he did but the game kind of suited him you know th- a lot of high ball probably went down on top of them and you know the Kilkenny half back line were sitting so deep that he suppose it was it was ball that suited him you know whereas yeah. in the second half you see maybe when fraggy came on he won ball out in front of him and caused him a bit of trouble actually speaking of that that brought fraggy on and he caused a little bit of uh, Danger, you know, he was unlucky for a wide, and he'd won a free or two, and he'd done quite well, and then they whipped him off again, and brought on Keen O'Connor, who was a back. <laughs> like it was a strange decision by John Allen, you
1: know. Yeah, no, that was strange. All right, yeah there's no doubt about that. Right, who are we going to give, Who are we going to give it to? It, uh, I'm, I'm, it's a toss up for me between Aidan Fogarty and Cha, and I think Cha. Because of his influence in the game, and like you said, Aidan Fogarty, already scored one three. He, he he might have only had five or six possessions. Cha over the course of the game was outstanding, and in the second half, like just ran the show. Had three different markers, and took a call for from us from China today. And <laughs> yeah. and I and I'd say Cha w- could be asked to go on Dancing with the Stars, and he would say, "You must be fucking joking." <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Kagi a bit of me in the corner forward union is going He's has three for four or five possessions like holy shit like what more do you want from a corner forward and he was exceptional and he did get the official man of the match but when I look back at that match I have to say when I was watching it, I thought Cha was absolutely exceptional so I'll actually I'll agree with you on this one
1: yeah Cha Fitzpatrick congratulations um, performance of the weekend right that's always time for Brian we'll be back on Monday and we'll have a look at another final and we'll talk to you all then good luck <laughs> And when I started running I suppose I didn't stop and when I got the chance to go on I said I'd stay going
2: so I opened up. We are only the small little fish out there so we are and we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just I'm delighted that the lads the lads did it for the people of Walford today because like I I'm heart I'm heartbroken.